0: Welcome to the Road to Kyoto podcast series from the Global Initiative Against Transnational Organised Crime. I'm Ian Tennant. Unsurprisingly, we got the news on Friday 20th of March that the UN Crime Congress, scheduled to take place every five years and due to be held in Kyoto, Japan in April 2020, had been postponed due to the global coronavirus pandemic. We at the Global Initiative have been recording a series of podcasts with leading experts who study and track organised crime and related issues to look ahead at the issues that would be discussed at the Congress. But this series of podcasts has been overtaken by events. The effects of this pandemic will have deep impacts on the issues Congress should be discussing. For example, how organised crime will adapt and take advantage of the situation, how vulnerabilities of people will be increased, and how the economic impacts will increase poverty and therefore risks associated with organised crime. In addition, the UN itself will have to adapt in the way it does business, including on whether it should be relying on large meetings of this size going forward. Many of the issues that we highlighted in our Road to Kyoto publication, which is available online, will remain relevant and will be brought into sharper focus due to these events. To discuss some of these issues as we launch this series of podcasts, I'm here with Mark Shaw, Director of the Global Initiative. Mark, the Congress usually takes place every five years. It's not a decision-making body, but in what ways do you think the Congress is important for international policy on organised crime and related issues?
1: Thanks very much, Ian. The Congress, of course, has taken place every five years, and so it's an opportunity for a stepping back, in my view, uh, to examine... Uh, from a large number of experts, a series of emergent themes that are occurring globally around criminal justice issues, of course, including in our own area that of organized crime. And the Congress has had some important outcomes which have translated into uh, resolutions of the Crime Congress and by implication into uh, international and national policy, into the work of UNODC and the UN system more widely. And of course, it's an overall demonstration of political priorities. There has been some discussion over the years, as you know, about whether or not such a big meeting has had concrete outputs. But I do think in terms of the global evolution of, say, standards and norms on crime and and criminal justice-related issues, on the development of a response uh, to organized crime, the Congress has a great deal of value. There's a lot of unknowns now, I would argue, and indeed, as you said in your introductory piece Will such big meetings still be favoured by the international community, given a range of new global risks, as uh, the pandemic has has demonstrated? But I would still want to argue that in a number of ways, bringing people together globally to talk about common and emerging themes, to try and allow academic uh, civil society influence on member state priorities, amongst others, to make sure that member states engage with each other, is still a, a valuable opportunity which should not be lost. When we
0: published our our documents on Congress last year, in that we discussed some issues that we thought were very important. I think now they'll be coming into sharper focus as the coronavirus pandemic escalates and and we begin to understand more about its effects. And in particular, do you think the Congress, when and if it does happen, whichever form it takes place, will be a good platform to reassess the links between organized crime and development, for example, and linked to that, the need to increase UN coordination on these issues?
1: It's early days, I feel, and as you also know from the work that the Global Initiative is doing now and the, and the requests that we are receiving for information on, on organized crime and the influence of the pandemic on it from our membership and, and from particular member states, it's clear that that as an issue in itself will I think, be part of the agenda, or at least it will be discussed in multiple ways. And I think that really does impact on the discussion about the links between development and organized crime. And again, while it's early days, I can see a number of ways in which that would occur, particularly if organized crime, for example, has weakened health sectors, if organized crime and gang formation takes place in the wake of the pandemic, if state reach is weakened, if organized crime uses the the gaps that are opening up that are created by the pandemic and as you know we are receiving uh, reports from our network about counterfeit uh, uh, hand sanitizers at a very low level cybercrime, but also the the use for example in parts of west africa drug trafficking may be increasing because people are focused elsewhere on the pandemic so there's a lot of movement i feel within the system People may be talking about the, the period before the pandemic and the period after the pandemic. Whether that will have an impact on criminal justice policy, whether it reinforces the requirement for global cooperation, and you can see that that happening and impacting a number of other sectors, or whether that reinforces the sense at national level that national institutions need to be strengthened, or both. A strengthening of national institutions and strengthening of, of global responses. And I suspect that that in some ways is the most likely outcome. Whatever the case, it's going to be a different Congress to one which would have been held in April. And in that sense, I think that it's beneficial, the, the member
0: states have not yet completed their negotiations on the political declaration, and that they will have to essentially start again and look at these very important issues when they start negotiating that document. I mean, what are the, the key messages that you think should be brought forward in that declaration?
1: For me, the pandemic's a reminder of both the very rapid advance of globalisation and the degree to which we as a global system know many of the dangers. So I I think it is not new that pandemics were a possibility and and many experts had warned on that. But in our sector, we have been pointing to the dangers of organized crime, which have been generated by globalization and making the argument that we need to strengthen global systems and cooperation to respond. Of course, both from member states, but also from civil society, the, the work that the Global Initiative does. So that message that globalization has brought great benefits to many people, that it has also uh, led to higher levels of inequality, but that if we are to respond, if globalization is to include in whichever way is possible and in in ways which can be more effectively regulated, then the discussion on, on organized crime really needs to be part of that. And I think that's a key message from my part to emerge from the Congress. The link between globalization, the dangers that it generates, which were very much part of the first discussions around organized crime, will return now, in my view, with with new force across a wider array of sectors, whether it's wildlife crime, drug trafficking, cybercrime, and the like. So at a high level, the Congress provides an opportunity to reinforce some of those global discussions on illicit markets, their globalization, their acceleration, the costs and the damages that they cause.
0: From the perspective of the Global Initiative and how it's grown over recent years, what role is there for the Global Initiative? What role would you plan for the organization to play at the Congress in terms of bringing civil society voices to the table and ensuring that their role is understood and supported by the international community?
1: Our role as civil society is to be a injector of ideas. It's not that civil society itself has only a one idea on any particular issue. Uh, civil society provides a platform for debate, for planting the seeds of new policy, and almost all policy formulation at member state level in, in democratic environments, but also otherwise, are generated by discussions around ideas which emerge in particular places uh, and then are taken on board and, and refined or, or narrowed, as the case may be. So using that broad rubric, I think that's the role of of civil society organizations like the Global Initiative, Academia and, and others. The second function which we play, which is particularly important given the way that we are set up, is that the challenge with large global events, whether it's the commissions or an event like the Congress, is that local voices easily get excluded. So our challenge and our responsibility is to bring local voices into the Congress-style discussion. Now, local voices pointing to harms, pointing to opportunities, pointing to lessons learned. It's not only local voices complaining about the lack of government issues or government responses. Of course, that's one component. But it's also talking about how local actors themselves have responded and building a greater coalition amongst local voices to carry those ideas and those lessons forward. Now, if you bring those two things together, which is the injection of new ideas into a policy discussion, a kind of global policy elite, it's not a perfect description, but a global policy elite around criminal justice, combined with local voices, that's the clear objective of what the Global Initiative needs to achieve. So, Mark,
0: I mean, the Global Initiative is an umbrella organisation for civil society with a large network. But... There are other umbrella bodies as well that will be very important. The Global Initiative is a member of one, the Alliance of NGOs on Crime Prevention and Criminal Justice. I mean, how important is it, do you think, for these kind of umbrella bodies to be active at the Congress and similar forums?
1: In my view, very important. And of course, we value our membership as part of the alliance. Many people think civil society speaks with one voice on multiple issues. And of course, it doesn't. And that's the strength of civil society. It's a debating forum around a set of issues, in this case, criminal justice, organised crime and and the like, where civil society itself has policy disagreements. But in that discussion, some conclusions are reached about achieving effective responses in what is clearly a complex environment.
0: Thank you very much, Mark, for those points. I think you've highlighted some very fundamental issues and It's certainly sobering to think about how fundamental some of these issues are and the increasing challenges that civil society will face as we go ahead to engage with the Congress. Thanks for joining me today, Mark Shaw. Please subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Take a moment to leave us a review. They help us get noticed and improve the show. For more on organised crime, head over to our website, www.globalinitiative.net. You can also follow us across social media by searching for The Global Initiative. This show was produced by Jack Megan Vickers with help from Paulina Russell-Barris. I'm Ian Tennant. Thanks for listening.